Welcome to the teaching ministry of Prophet Kevin Leon. Kevin has devoted his life to see the restoration of supernatural power in both the Word and the Spirit to this generation. Open your Bibles, open your hearts, as we join Kevin in one of his crusades from around the world. See, there are many metaphors in the Bible. You got the house family metaphor. You got the bride metaphor. You got the army metaphor. You got the garden metaphor. You got the building metaphor. And so whatever season that you're in, that's the metaphor you lean the most towards. But you can't just say, well, we need family, skip everything else. Or we need army, kill the devil, chase him back to hell, forget everything else. And so in different seasons, you're going to have different emphasis. And in this body of Christ, some of you are going to have more emphasis in one metaphor than the other metaphor. Like my strength is more army, more military. That's my strength. I see the church advancing, conquering. I want to equip you for warfare. And there's other people, they're more pastoral. They're health care, child care, welfare. Well, which is better? Child care, health care, welfare, or let's run the devil back to hell. And there's other people, they're into worship, the vertical side. We're the bride. Worship, 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 worship. And I like worship. But you can't pay your bills with three hallelujahs and a glory to God. You've got to have some practical things. That's why you've got to have some mentoring involved in this thing. Say, if it's not holistic, it's not realistic. If it's not holistic, it's not realistic. And so the just shall live by faith. So if I don't have my morals right, no matter how much I preach to you, your immorality suppresses the gospel truth inside of you. You understand that? Look at verse 19. Because what may be known of God and manifested in for God is shown to them. Every single person in the planet has had a personal manifestation of God in their spirit. That's what it says right here. For since the creation of the world is invisible, attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even as eternal power in God is, so they are without excuse. They are without excuse. Look at verse 21. Because although they knew God, this is the turning point to go from glory to glory to perversion to perversion. They did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. They became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Notice, you can always tell people who are going in a perversion progression because they are unthankful. Always mark unthankful people. Always mark unthankful people. If this is your church and you're not giving financially, that is a form of unthankfulness. You're just taking, 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 taking. And it's not that you're withholding your money alone. You're corrupting your own soul. That's a sign you're losing the glory of God and the image of God inside you because he's a giver. Professing the wise became fools. Now look at verse 23. This is the kicker. And they change or exchange the glory of God, the incorruptible God, into an image made like corruptible man. Birds, four-footed animals, creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up. He says, okay, I'm taking the restraining power to keep you from going crazy. You don't want me in your life? I pull back. I pull back. And you know what happens? God didn't judge you. You start eating the fruit of your own ways. Everybody say eating. eating. The fruit of your own ways. That's kind of biblical talk. Let's say it this way. Eating. The fruit of your own decisions. 
God didn't have to do it to you. You don't break God's law. God's laws break you. You violate the laws, you corrupt yourself. That's what happens. So God gave them up to uncleanness, the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Now watch, verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, it says God gave them up. But what he says, he took his restraining hand off and that corruption inside of every human being takes over. He gave them the vile passions. Even the women exchanged the natures for what is against nature. Likewise, the men leave the natures of the women, burden their lust for one another. Men with men committing shameful acts, same sex, marriages, relationships, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even if they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And here's what happens when you reject the glory of God. It's going to come in different increments. Not everybody's going to the same craziness. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning. You lose your discernment. You stop discerning. Untrustworthy. Don't trust anybody anymore. And when you don't trust, your life is over the way God designed it. Unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things who are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. The reason I read that whole chapter is for this reason. You have the capacity to go up and you have the capacity to go down. Say every living thing thing must be fed. fed. Every living thing requires maintenance if you don't maintain going up by default you go down if i don't put gas in my truck by default i run out of gas it takes work god designed that your inheritance is free you're free but you got to work that inheritance to be in him now we're going to talk a little bit about living with people who are living with shame living with people who are living with shame Most of you in this room, either right now, in your past, on your job, in your families, maybe with yourself, you're living with varying degrees of shame. And living with people who are living with shame is painful for everybody. I want to say it again. Living with people who are living with shame is painful for everybody. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And your answer is to become one. What is the goal of marriage? To become one. What is the goal of marriage? To become one. What is the goal of family? To become one. So in order to become one, something has to die for something else to live. It's amazing that people say, I'm looking for my soulmate. She's perfect. When I meet her, she's going to be pre-constructed. Going to require no assembly. She's the perfect. She's the one. He's the one. No assembly required. <laughs> and then when you get married, after the big party called the wedding, you go like, what in the heck have I married here? <laughs> How many understand that dating is an acting lesson? It's a job interview. Dating is a job interview, y'all. 
surprise, this is what you really married. <laughs> Husband say, punked you out, didn't I? <laughs> now, that's not really what's going on. What's going on is that as we come together, the things that keep us apart begin to pop up. See, when you're dating, most people do not have reality-based conversations. They have idealistic co- I like to live in that house. I like to have three kids, two boys and one girl. <laughs> Everything is idealism. But then when you get married, man, you run head-on into life. You get stuck in situations. I didn't know it was going to be like this. How do we respond now? And in that situation, you got to work out one. Stuff just pops up. You know, it's amazing. In a wedding ceremony, the guy does the, the magical incantation. I now pronounce you man and wife. Kiss the bride, you're one. No, 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 no. If I was the wedding director, when they got that ceremony and they said that magic prayer, I'd say, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> It sounds like Donkey Kong. Every unresolved issue in her soul is going to pop up. Anybody ever play that game at Chuck E. Cheese called Whack-A-Mole? Where you put the 50 cents in there and there's little hedgehogs. You pop one, another one comes up. That's what marriage is, y'all. Whack-A-Mole. Whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. I'm out of control, whack-a-mole. You're not giving, oh, dang, bang, oh, dang. Oh, my God, another unresolved issue. Didn't see that while we were dating. That didn't come up in counseling. Whack-a-mole. Now, you know why you're laughing? Because those of you who have been married a while, you know it's true. What did I get into? Listen, it wouldn't have made any difference who you marry. If I would have married my high school sweetheart, it wouldn't have been this way. That's your nostalgia. He would have been better in every way. Please. No matter who you marry, it's going to be whack-a-mole. Is anybody who I'm saying? Well, I'm going to trade her in because... She looks like she'll be easier to live with, please. Everybody got unresolved issues in their soul. And when you're on a dating situation, you hide your unresolved issues or they never come up. And so this church is going to be talking about marriage for the next year in different forms. And the pastor said, Kevin, do you want to talk about marriage? Because that's kind of where we're going. I said, no. Well, I want to talk about the things that kill marriage. That's my strength. Well, Kevin, are you a marriage counselor? No, I'm a holy homicide guy. I'm going to kill anything that's going to kill your marriage. Somebody say, holy homicide. Come on, say, holy homicide. And so most marriage counseling is whack-a-mole counseling. She won't do that. She won't do that. He won't do this. Whack-a-mole, whack And I couldn't do that job. Now, there's some people called to be marriage counselors. They had that, that marriage counselor look. And they go, mm-hmm, ah, yes. And they're taking notes. I'm saying, we got to find the devil in the room right now. <laughs> Where's that beast, that animal nature sticking his head up? <laughs> Genesis chapter 225. And they were both naked, 
the man and his wife, and they were not what? And they were not what? And they were not what? So look at verse 24. The goal is to be one. So there are three things you got to have. Number one, you got to get naked. That means transparent. Number two, you got to have a man and a wife. You got to have people in covenant. See, covenant is so important. Well, we just, we don't need a piece of paper. We love one another. Let me tell you something. Until you have boundaries of covenant, you will never expose parts of yourself because you are afraid it's going to end up in divorce or separation. You just won't do it. And the third thing is they weren't ashamed. You cannot come together when there's shame. Not coming together. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. It asks a question. Can two walk together unless they are in agreement? And the answer is nope. I'm going to ask that question. And your answer is nope. Can two walk together unless they're in agreement? No. Even if they're nice people? No. Church people? No. Nice mommy, nice daddy? No. No. Can't happen. You've got to come into agreement. You've got to be transparent and you've got to get the shame out. Somebody say continual. Continual. Glory experiences. Glory experiences. Continual. Continual. Glory experiences. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 down to verse 14. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return, we speak as children that you be open. Look at verse 12. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return, for the same I speak as children, also be open. Look at verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Now, this is talking about marrying the world system. But when I say unequally yoked, I'm talking about people who don't have the same belief system and who do not have the same experiences. You can never become one. You can never become one. Well, I pray in tongues, but the guy I'm dating don't pray in tongues. Don't stick your tongue in his mouth, girl. Until he pray in tongues. Oh, that just shocked you on a Sunday morning. <laughs> don't get that intimate. If he don't want to go that way, you're going to be frustrated for the rest of your marriage life. Because if he thinks it's unnecessary and it's something that you celebrate and think it's a priority, you'll never be at one. You'll never be at one. See, my identity, my identity. is spiritual. spiritual. See, my identity, my identity. is spiritual. spiritual. See, every living thing... Must be, must be fed. Every living thing, Every living thing requires, maintenance. requires maintenance. All right? Now, if you were to go to a new medical doctor, he's not going to treat you until you fill out that 10-page form called a family medical history. You know why? Many diseases run in families. Your grandmother had that same thing. Maybe it passed down through you. Your grandfather had that same thing. Maybe it passed down to you. There are certain things that run in families. You know what happens? If you are going to marry somebody or be in covenant with somebody, I want to know your family spiritual history. And I also want to know your sin history. Well, Kevin, all my sins are washed in the blood of Jesus. 
I know that the penalty has been paid for, but now we're living with the residual effects of your craziness. You got hooked up when you were 16, had out of wedlock birth. You had a, a, an abortion. All that's going to affect you. The pain of your past is unresolved. starts affecting all your relationships. It affects everything. See, anytime you go through trauma, you have soul triggers. Everybody say soul triggers. Soul triggers. And if you don't get those things resolved, when you get around something similar to what you went through in that trauma, it triggers you. What's wrong with him? All I said was, what's wrong with her? We just walked and she heard that song. She went nuts. Soul trigger. Soul trigger. See, unresolved issues. Buried alive. Never die. They become landmines. In all our relationships. And so real ministry is trying to get that. So we got to have... Our spiritual family history. What was your family? Would they go to church? Were they alcoholics? Were they drunks? What kind of church did they go to? All that stuff's going to play into the relationship. Because that stuff is in your culture, in your, in your family. See, if I could go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. See, if I could go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. Listen to me very carefully. Shame is spiritual. Everybody say shame Shame. is spiritual. Shame always operates where there's immorality and when there is unrighteousness or when there's no understanding of what God requires as righteousness. Shame has no resistance then. But where there's moral clarity and you walk in God's righteousness, Shame has a very hard time to take root. Very hard time. Shame and sin come by conversations. You talk yourself into sin. You talk yourself into shame. And you cannot overcome shame by willpower. I won't be ashamed. I won't be ashamed. I won't be embarrassed. I won't be ashamed. It's spiritual. You've got to have a spiritual power greater than that. Everybody say shame. Is spiritual. Here's what shame really is. Shame is an identity construct. When you have shame, it's because that's how you see yourself before the world, before God, before everything. That's how you see yourself. It's it's an identity thing. So when people are always, I'm I'm fearful, I'm ashamed. You know, I'm shy. I'm just shy. No, no, God didn't make anybody shy. I'm shy. Everybody say shy. Is a lie. Say shy. Is a lie. Why would God make somebody shy? You can't fulfill your destiny when you're shy. The Bible says when the Holy Ghost comes on, you're going to have boldness. The righteous are bold as a lion. When you see shy people that are Christians, you know there's a lie operating in their head someplace. I'm shy. You know, God would never require me to do that stuff. I'm special. I'm one of God's special children. I get the parking, spiritual handicap parking. I got shyness. Oh, that must have hit a nerve. See, unresolved issues, buried alive, never die. They become landmines in all our relationships. 
Shame is a human condition that comes from the fall of man into sin. Hear me. There's a lot of secular writers that you can Google shame and all these other things, fear, rejection, and you'll get all kinds of opinions. But the problem is not that they don't have accuracy in how to describe the behavior or what it looks like or even the source of it, but they just can't glorify you. They can identify, they can clarify, they just cannot glorify. Only the Holy Ghost can glorify it. Everybody say shame, shame. is spiritual. spiritual. Now the purpose of today's message is to let you see if shame is operating inside of your soul. Most of you have some degree of shame operating in your soul. One good way to see if you got shame operating in your soul is check out your family history. Was your mama full of shame? Was your daddy full of shame? Were your grandparents full of shame? Were your caretakers full of shame? Were your close friends full of shame? See, if I could go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. See, if I could go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. Somebody say continual glory experiences. Continual glory experiences. I'm going to describe shame. And when you understand what you're looking for, you're going to begin to try to kill it. Now, let me just say the longer that you live on earth, the tendency of a human being is to normalize perverted behavior. The longer that you're alive on the earth, the tendency is to normalize what God says is not normal. It's to legalize what God says should be demonized. And so some of you are going to get shocked. Now, I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to come and visit you in dreams and in visions all kind of prophetic visitation from the Holy Spirit. You know why? Shame is spiritual. You got blind spots. And many of you have already had awakening dreams, but you've misinterpreted it. You see, God so wants you to be free and come into oneness with him and oneness with your family and oneness with the church. He comes and gives you markers inside your soul. Say, this is a sake. This is crazy. This is wrong. This is killing yourself. Some of you have been having recurring dreams for years. I don't understand why I keep having a dream because you got some shame or some kind of serpent in your soul. Now, if you don't get it out, you just kind of flatline. Some of you are flatline Christians. You just kind of fatalistic. Well, I'm just going to try to hang on till Jesus comes or hang on till I die. I just want to hang on, hanging on Christians. Need to put you in a spiritual hospice. I just want to be comfortable as I die. I'm here to make you uncomfortable so you can live. I'm here to make you uncomfortable so you can live again. Shame of the voice. Declaring things inside of you. It can be rational or irrational. I don't know why I feel this way. uh, They said this to me, so I must be this. Or they looked at me and I must be this. Now, let me tell you this. When God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, God had not changed. But the way that Adam and Eve saw God, because they left the glory of God, their perception became their prison. Their perception became their prison. Now, I know I'm aggressive. I know I'm bold. I know I got a lot of presence on me when I preach and prophesy. 
And I've got people in every church I ever go to that they said, I don't want to go to church when Kevin's in town. <laughs> or they say, I'm going to sit way in the back. And I hope you don't pick on me. I hope you don't call me out. Hello, Adam. Hello, Eve. You know, I don't like Kevin. Kevin, Kevin freaks me out. I mean, just Kevin, you know, he just, he just intimidates me. No, Kevin not doing it. It's the shame in your soul. Some of you, you have a hard time coming up to Pastor Amber. You know, maybe she sees something in me. No, maybe it's because you're hiding. You know, Pastor Dave, he's so nice, but sometimes he uses that kick your crack thing. and just, no. I don't know. It's not Pastor Dave. It's your shame issues. Say unresolved issues. Buried alive. Never die. They become landmines. In all our relationships. And you go into hiding. And you're hiding from your destiny. You know, it's amazing. I'll come to church three or four years and people will say, Kevin, can I talk to you? I say, okay, yeah. I says. When you first came, I didn't like you. I go, okay. I said, well, what about now? I said, well, I start, I'm starting to like you. No, you're coming out of shame. You're coming out of fear. I ain't changed. Kevin didn't change. I'm getting more aggressive. <laughs> or they'll say, you know, Kevin, when I first heard you, I, you know, you're really changing. I see God really, you're becoming more of a father. No, you're growing up, little baby. I'm not more of a father. <laughs> You just leaving the prison of your perception. Yeah. Oh, Kevin, you just, are you going to be the nice, gentle Kevin today? I love you. You love me. Have a Kevin prophecy. Warfare, Kevin. Now the people like warfare, yes, bring it, Kevin. Come on. But the people full of shame, they're going, you know, he scares me. I'm going to miss Saturday night. I'm going to miss Sunday morning. I'll pop in for a few seconds in the second service, and I wave at you. I'm going to do this one on online. I couldn't make this. Everybody caught you online. I gave you a like. Now, how about your body in the building with an offering? How about that? I gave you a like. Shame is a voice. I must have got a hold of Pastor's funny bone right there. <laughs> I love his laugh. <laughs> See, if I could go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. See, if I could go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. Whenever you're operating in shame, this is what it leaves in your soul. The feeling or the rationale of distrust. The feeling or the rationale of dishonor. The feeling or the rationale of disgrace. Notice there's a dis to take away. 
The feeling of the rationale of a disfigured image. To feel devalued. Shame makes you feel disconnected. Shame makes you feel disillusioned. Shame makes you feel dissatisfied. Shame makes you feel disapproved. Shame makes you feel disrespected. Man, this shame thing is killing us. And our society is a shame machine. Some of you came from churches that were shame machines. Don't, 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 don't. And no power. They just say, don't do this, don't do that. Don't. And, okay, I agree, don't. But give me some power. Somebody say, give me some power. Say, give me some Holy Ghost power. I mean, you got no power. You got devils all around. You got a crazy family history. You got Uncle Festus smoking weed at the family reunion. Grandma's on crack. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, some of your family reunions are danger zones. I mean, some of your family reunions, there go people go there looking for a date. Come on, you got to get right. <laughs> I'm going to looking for a date at a family reunion. Boy, you messed up. You in Romans 1 right there. See, if I wasn't making you laugh, this would be such a painful, painful sermon. This is that laughing gas before I extract that bad tooth. That's what that is. <laughs> I didn't even notice it was missing. I'm going to go through the list again. Shame makes you feel distrust. Some of you have a hard time trusting anybody. They won't like me. They, they just, I just know they won't like me. It's not them. You don't like you. I haven't even talked to you yet. Dishonor. You feel no honor. Nobody will like me. Nobody will accept me. Disgrace. You know, nobody wants me around. Disfigured image. You see yourself in the light with shame. Shame is a voice that talks to you. You feel devalued. I have no value. I have no value. I have no value. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a black woman. I'm a victim. I'm a Mexican in Corpus Christi. I'm a victim. <laughs> My daddy was an alcoholic. I'm a victim. You feel disfigured. No one could ever love me. I have big hips. I have big feet. I got bad hair. Well, go buy some hair. Go buy some hair. <laughs> 21st century, go buy some hair. I feel disconnected. Nobody wants me. I feel disconnected. Disillusioned. Dissatisfied. Everybody disapproves of me. Can you imagine living with that stuff in a person's life? And you're their friend, their partner, their leader, their team leader, their husband, their wife. You're living with shame. Drives you crazy. Shame-based personalities. See, you can have shame on the outside. But when you internalize shame, shame is not something on the outside. Shame becomes you. When you live with people who have internalized shame, it is a miserable existence. Miserable. 
Everything you want to do this fun. No, they weren't like me. I don't know. Let's go over there. No, no, it won't work. It's isolating. Shame-based personalities produce feelings of unworthiness, unrighteousness. I'm unlovable. I'm unwanted. I'm unneeded. I'm unappreciated. I'm unnecessary. I'm not good for anybody. I have self-rejection. It's full of regrets. Listen, bad stuff happens to everybody. You know, some self-help groups, they're just wound-licking clubs. I lick your wound, you lick my wound. And you somehow feel like you've been validating It's a victim club. She went through what I... But nobody's transforming. You're just exchanging shame stories. Self-pity and shame are demonic cousins. Self-pity and shame are demonic cousins. Shame has a voice, always is a voice. That voice is in charge of self-rejection protection. I'm going to protect myself. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Say, unresolved issues, issues. buried alive, alive. never die. die. They become landmines landmines. in all our relationships. And our generation is full of shame. Shame always blames. Always blames. Jesus said if you try to save your life, you will lose your life. People that are full of shame are always trying to save themselves from anybody exposing their issues. Years ago, I preached a message on shame. I had a series on shame. And I think it was called Overcoming Shame or something like that. And I dragged those CDs around for a year. Didn't sell one of them. There it is on the table. Everything else was selling but shame. I couldn't sell one of those CDs on shame. I had a lot of money invested. I said, Lord, how come my CDs on shame are not selling? He said, they're too ashamed to buy them. I don't want anybody to see me get the shame CDs. I changed the name of the CDs and sold hundreds of them. Do you know what I changed the name to? How to slap the devil and not burn your hand. How to slap the devil and not burn your hand. Oh, I want to slap the devil. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. And when they opened it up, it was, surprise, it's about shame. (laughs) So, If you're full of shame and you don't want your shame to be exposed, you're trying to save your life, but really you will lose your life. Because I will tell you, shame is a disgusting person to live with. It limits you. It's no fun. It's full of fear. It's self-centered. It's full of self-pity. It always thinks about itself. It complains. It gripes. It's depressing being around shame. Shame causes pain. And some of you can't even live with yourself. You're full of shame. And the Lord says, I want to cut it out. You cannot teach it out. You can only cut it out. Because it's spiritual. You need a spiritual experience. Say, my identity identity is spiritual. spiritual. Say, my identity identity is spiritual. spiritual. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I I live in a body. I I am a spirit. 
I have a soul. I live in a body. Your spirit is God focused. Even when you're not born again, your spirit is God focused. There's something in your spirit that was put there by God that wants to reach up to God. Your body is sense focused, feeling, tasting, touching the five senses. That's how your body's wired up. But your soul is self-centered. Every time shame manifests is about you. What about me? How will people see me? So shame is destructive in your soul. Shame is spiritual cancer. Shame is a spiritual cancer. And what happens, no matter what happens to you in the past, what happens if you don't process it through the spirit, it can say they're 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I mentioned this subject, and they began to cry like it happened 30 minutes ago. But it was 20 years ago. Why? It was unresolved. It was full of shame. It brought shame. It brought confusion. The unresolved issues, buried alive, never die. They become landmines in all our relationships. Say, every living thing must be fed. Every living thing requires maintenance. And so for many of you, it's going to be the best year you ever had. It's going to be glorious. See, here's the problem. God's been trying to bless you for decades, some of you. But your shame has resisted the blessing of the Lord. God's trying to give you new friends and new opportunities. But you see everything through the eyes of shame. You're disfigured. You're discouraged. You're disconnected. But that's not what's really happening. It's an illusion. It's how you're seeing yourself with everything else. You got grasshopper thinking. You see yourself as something low. Now, why is this so important? Shame always tries to get the moral high ground through the flesh. I'm going to say it again. Shame always tries to get the moral high ground or the righteous high ground through the flesh. It's very condemning, very name calling. Like if I say, if your family's not living for God, you're a hypocrite if you want to minister to anybody else. Really? Huh. So that means God is disqualified from being God because his first project failed. Well, if you've been divorced, you can't be in the ministry. Huh. God has a divorce. He divorced Israel. But how'd that work out for God? His whole, his whole project went into captivity into Babylon. And you want to put that legalism on somebody else? You got grown kids or kids that are in puberty. They can make their own choices. And you're going to blame me for my kids if they act crazy? How dare you put that condemnation on anybody? You're a hypocrite if your family's not living for God. Liar! Am I making myself clear? I don't want any confusion on this. I had a guy that has a pastor of 30,000 people. His 21-year-old son got a girl pregnant. And he said, well, I got I to leave the ministry because my family's not in order. My family's not in order. Are you kidding me? The kid was 20 years old. I can't watch the kid with a monitor for the next 24 years, 24 hours a day. I did the best I could. He goes crazy. It's on him, not on me. Actually, that, that command to keep your family in order is about restoration. I'm more interested in how you deal with their failures than controlling their behavior 24-7. 
He said, you that are spiritual, restore with a spirit of meekness. Not you that are full of principles. Well, we're going to make you sit down for five years. Sitting doesn't transform you. I'm going to do something spiritual from heaven to you. And it's going to be a one size fits all. No, it's going to be an individual plan for your restoration. That's just another manifestation of shame called condemnation. Formalism. God doesn't put formalism on people. Now, if you've had a divorce, I'm sorry for you. And there are consequences from a divorce. Hear me. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin, ding dong. God had a divorce. He had to divorce Israel. Everybody say life after divorce. Man, if you beat up people who got divorced, you'd have nobody in the ministry in Corpus Christi. You'd be down to the skeleton crew. Are you divorced? No, I've never considered divorce, but I have considered murder. Today, God is saying, I want to remove shame from your soul. And some of you that are thinking about getting married, ask God to hit every shame button you have. Get that shame out. You will never become one when shame is inside of you. They were naked, not ashamed. Naked, not ashamed. Naked, not ashamed. The inability to be transparent reveals that you still have shame. See, unresolved issues, buried alive. Never die. Never die. They become landmines in all our relationships. No face-to-face confrontation. No personal, I want to talk to you. I want to do everything by email or text. And we got some shame Facebook cowards in our church. They will ambush you by Facebook at 3 o'clock in the morning. They will say things on Facebook they will never say face-to-face. They're full of shame. Well, I just don't want to come. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. No, you full of shame, bro. But the Lord is saying, I'm going to rip shame out. And you're about to have an explosion in your family, in your finances. Shame is a garment that you wear in your soul. And people that are spiritual, that are prophetic, they can see the shame on you when you walk in the door. You can see it on people. I can see it on people. Now, some people are so shame-filled, even the non-spiritual people can see it. You call it depression, not happy, upset, but most of the time it's shame-based. It's how you see yourself. And when you get any kind of rejection at all in any life situation, you go into deep depression. I had three friends and one defriended me. Go get some more friends. You're living your life in a little circle. Go get some more friends. It's a big world out there. And many of the country and western songs are full of shame. And people that are full of shame listen to those songs. There's no queen in my king-size bed. She got the gold mine, I got the shaft. Misery really loves company. And my best friend, 
They got shame and I got shame and we got shame on the brain and we hang out together. We have shame talk. I don't want to be around people like that. If I can't talk it out or cast it out, I'm running out. You can go to some other place and have that crazy behavior you want to. But God never designed us to live in shame. Somebody say, no more shame on my brain. Say, no more shame on my brain. No more shame on my brain. Over the next six months, many of you by the Holy Ghost are going to visit your family sin history and your family spiritual history. Mama had it, and that's how I got it. Daddy was always doing this to me, and that's how come I had this fear, this rejection. See, our parents can injure us two ways. The first way is by what they do to us. And the second way is by what they don't do for us. Many of you, especially the men, you're the victim of missing conversations. Say, every living thing must be fed. Every living thing requires maintenance. Somebody say, continual glory experiences. Continual glory experiences. If you're part of a single parent home as a woman, I want you to understand something. You can be the most wonderful mother, but that is not a father. You need to pray and ask God, bring me a father nature. Doesn't it be biological? Matter of fact, some of your biological fathers that left, they're the worst person to talk to that child because they're so full of shame and rejection and sin. You just need a father nature. And God has some around. You're 13 year old going through a crisis, but nobody was there to talk to you for man talk. I would tell all of you that have father issues, or shame issues. Read the book of Proverbs continually, one chapter a day for the next couple of years. God knew there would be a lack of fathers in the land. And I believe that he wrote the book of Proverbs to be a substitute father voice for a fatherless generation. It is full of father advice. It's full of father advice. It's David many times talking to Solomon as a father who has failed and been recovered to a son that won't fail. Say unresolved issues. Unresolved issues. Buried, alive, buried alive. Never die. Never die. They, become they become landmines. In all our relationships. Just say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. If, I have any shame in my soul, if I have any shame in my soul. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. I command all shame, all fear, all rejection, all self-hate. Leave my life, leave my soul right now, right now. Do something in me so I won't be ashamed. Holy Spirit. Work in my life, so I can be naked and not ashamed. Naked and not ashamed. Naked and not ashamed. Now take a deep breath, deep as you can, and let it out. 
take a deep breath as deep as you can and let it out. Our prayer and heart's desire is that today's message has caused you to see Jesus more clearly, causing you to become a better disciple, walking in both wisdom and power in your generation. For further information about Kevin's ministry, books, tapes, or to have him come to your church or conference, call or write Key Ministries, Post Office Box 10357, Pensacola, Florida, 32524, or on the web at kevinleal.com. You can call our offices at 850-475-8877. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will water this word and cause it to grow in your life.